Chapter Ten, Part Three of The Pit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Jadwin stood there in the center of the others, hatless, his face pale, his eyes congested with blood. Gretry fronted him, one hand upon his arm. In the remainder of the group, Landry recognized the senior clerk of the office, one of the heads of a great banking house, and a couple of other men, confidential agents, who had helped to manipulate the great corner. "'But you can't!' Gretry was exclaiming. "'You can't! Don't you see we can't meet our margin calls? It's the end of the game. You've got no more money!' "'It's a lie!' Never so long as he lived did Landry forget the voice in which Jadwin cried the words. It's a lie. Keep on buying, I tell you. Take all they'll offer. I'll tell you we'll touch the two-dollar mark before noon. Not another order goes up to that floor, retorted Gretry. Why, Jay, ask any of these gentlemen here. They'll tell you. It's useless, Mr. Jadwin, said the banker quietly. You were practically beaten two days ago. "'Mr. Jadwin,' pleaded the senior clerk, "'for God's sake, listen to reason, our firm.' But Jadwin was beyond all appeal. He threw off Gretry's hand. "'Your firm, your firm. You've always been cowards from the start. I know you. I know you. You have sold me out. Crooks has bought you. Get out of my way,' he shouted. "'Get out of my way, do you hear? I'll play my hand alone from now on.' "'Jay, old man, why, you see here, man,' Gretry implored, still holding him by the arm. "'Here, where are you going?' Jadwin's voice rang like a trumpet call. "'Into the pit!' "'Well, look here, look, wait, here, hold him back, gentlemen, he don't know what he's about.' "'If you won't execute my orders, I'll act myself. I'm going into the pit, I tell you.' "'Jay, you're mad, old fellow, you're ruined, don't you understand? You're ruined!' that God curse you, Sam Gretry, for the man who failed me in a crisis. And as he spoke, Curtis Jadwin struck the broker full in the face. Gretry staggered back from the blow, catching at the edge of his desk. His pale face flashed to crimson for an instant, his fists clenched, then his hands fell to his sides. No, he said, let him go, let him go. The man is merely mad. But Jadwin, struggling for a second in the midst of the group that tried to hold him, suddenly flung off the restraining clasps, thrust the men to one side, and rushed from the room. Gretry dropped into his chair before his desk. "'It's the end,' he said simply. He drew a sheet of notepaper to him, and in a shaking hand wrote a couple of lines. "'Take that,' he said, handing the note to the senior clerk. Take that to the secretary of the board at once. And straight into the turmoil and confusion of the pit, to the scene of so many of his victories, the battleground whereon again and again his enemies routed, he had remained the victor, undisputed, undismayed, came the great bull. No sooner had he set foot within the entrance to the floor than the news went flashing and flying from lip to lip. The galleries knew it, the public room, and the Western Union knew it, the telephone booths knew it, and lastly even the wheat pit, torn and tossed and rent asunder by the force this man himself had unchained, knew it, and knowing, stood dismayed. For even then, 
so great had been his power so complete his dominion and so well rooted the fear which he had inspired that this last move in the great game he had been playing this unexpected direct personal assumption of control struck a sense of consternation into the heart of the hardiest of his enemies jadwin himself the great man the great bull in the pit what was about to happen had they been too premature in their hope of his defeat had he been preparing some secret unexpected manoeuvre for a second they hesitated then moved by a common impulse feeling the push of the wonderful new harvest behind them they gathered themselves together for the final assault and again offered the wheat for sale offered it by thousands upon thousands of bushels poured as it were the reapings of entire principalities out upon the floor of the board of trade jadwin was in the thick of the confusion by now and the avalanche the undiked ocean of the wheat leaping to the lash of the hurricane struck him fairly in the face he heard it now he heard nothing else the wheat had broken from his control for months he had by the might of his single arm held it back but now it rose like the upbuilding of a colossal billow it towered towered hung poised for an instant and then with a thunder as of the grind and crash of chaotic worlds broke upon him burst through the pit and raced past him on and on to the eastward and to the hungry nations and then under the stress and violence of the hour something snapped in his brain the murk behind his eyes had been suddenly pierced by a white flash the strange qualms and tiny nervous paroxysms of the last few months all at once culminated in some indefinite indefinable crisis and the wheels and cogs of all activities save one lapsed away and ceased only one function of the complicated machine persisted but it moved with a rapidity of vibration that seemed to be tearing the tissues of being to shreds while its rhythm beat out the old and terrible cadence wheat 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 blind and insensate jadwin strove against the torrent of the wheat there in the middle of the pit surrounded and assaulted by herd after herd of wolves yelping for his destruction he stood braced rigid upon his feet his head up his hand the great bony hand that once held the whole pit in its grip flung high in the air in a gesture of defiance while his voice like the clangor of bugles sounding to the charge of the forlorn hope rang out again and again over the din of his enemies give a dollar for july give a dollar for july with one accord they leaped upon him the little group of his traders was swept aside landry alone landry who had never left his side since his rush from out gretry's office landry court loyal to the last his one remaining soldier white shaking the sobs strangling in his throat clung to him desperately another billow of wheat was preparing they too the beaten general and his young armor-bearer heard it coming hissing raging bellowing it swept down upon them landry uttered a cry flesh and blood could not stand this strain he cowered at his chief's side his shoulders bent one arm above his head as if to warn off an actual physical force but jadwin iron to the end stood erect 
all unknowing what he did he had taken landry's hand in his and the boy felt the grip on his fingers like the contracting of a vice of steel the other hand as though holding up a standard was still in the air and his great deep-toned voice went on across the tumult proclaiming to the end his battle cry give a dollar for july give a dollar for july but little by little landry became aware that the tumult of the pit was intermitting there were sudden lapses in the shouting and in these lapses he could hear from somewhere out upon the floor voices that were crying order 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 gentlemen but again and again the clamor broke out it would die down for an instant in response to these appeals only to burst out afresh as certain groups of traders started the pandemonium again by the wild outcrying of their offers at last however the older men in the pit regaining some measure of self-control took up the word going to and fro in the press repeating order order and then all at once the pit the entire floor of the board of trade was struck dumb all at once the tension was relaxed the furious struggling and stamping was stilled landry bewildered still holding his chief by the hand looked about him on the floor near at hand stood the president of the board of trade himself and with him the vice-president and a group of the directors evidently it had been these who had called the traders to order but it was not toward them now that the hundreds of men in the pit and on the floor were looking in the little balcony on the south wall opposite the visitors gallery a figure had appeared a tall grave man in a long black coat the secretary of the board of trade landry with the others saw him saw him advance to the edge of the railing and fix his glance upon the wheat pit in his hand he carried a slip of paper and then in the midst of that profound silence the secretary announced all trades with gretry converse and company must be closed at once the words had not ceased to echo in the high vaultings of the roof before they were greeted with a wild shrill yell of exultation and triumph that burst from the crowding masses in the wheat pit beaten beaten at last the great bull smashed the great corner smashed jadwin busted they themselves saved 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 cheer followed upon cheer yell after yell hats went into the air in a frenzy of delight men danced and leaped and capered upon the edge of the pit clasping their arms about each other shaking each other's hands cheering and hurrahing till their strained voices became hoarse and faint some few of the older men protested there were cries of shame shame order let him alone let him be he's down now shame shame but the jubilee was irrepressible they had been too cruelly pressed these others they had felt the weight of the bull's hoof the rip of his horn now they had beaten him had pulled him down busted 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 hip 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 and a tiger come away sir for god's sake mr jadwin come away landry was pleading with jadwin clutching his arm in both his hands his lips to his chief's ear to make himself heard above the yelping of the mob jadwin was silent now he seemed no longer to see or hear heavily painfully 
he leaned upon the young man's shoulder come away sir for god's sake the group of traders parted before them cheering even while they gave place cheering with eyes averted unwilling to see the ruin that meant for them salvation <laughs> busted busted landry had put his arm about jadwin and gripped him close as he led him from the pit the sobs were in his throat again and tears of excitement of grief of anger and impotence were running down his face yeah <laughs> he's done for busted busted damn you all cried landry throwing out a furious fist damn you all you brutes you beasts if he'd so much as raised a finger a week ago you'd have run for your lives but the cheering drowned out his voice and as the two passed out of the pit upon the floor the gong that closed the trading struck and it seemed put a period definite and final to the conclusion of curtis jadwin's career as a speculator across the floor toward the doorway landry led his defeated captain jadwin was in a daze he saw nothing heard nothing quietly he submitted to landry's guiding arm the visitors in the galleries bent far over to see him pass and from all over the floor spectators hangers-on corn and provision traders messenger boys clerks and reporters came hurrying to watch the final exit of the great bull from the scene of his many victories and his one overwhelming defeat in silence they watched him go by only in the distance from the direction of the pit itself came the sound of dying cheers but at the doorway stood a figure that Landry recognized at once, a small man, lean-faced, trimly dressed, his clean-shaven lips pursed like the mouth of a shut money-bag, imperturbable as ever, cold, unexcited, Calvin Crooks himself. And as Jadwin passed, Landry heard the bear leader say, They can cheer now all they want. They didn't do it. It was the wheat itself that beat him. No combination of men could have done it. Go on, cheer, you damn fools. He was a bigger man than the best of us. With the striking of the gong and the general movement of the crowd in the galleries toward the exits, Page rose, drawing a long breath, pressing her hands an instant to her burning cheeks. She had seen all that had happened, but she had not understood. The whole morning had been a whirl and a blur she had looked down upon a jam of men who for three hours had done nothing but shout and struggle she had seen jadwin come into the pit and almost at once the shouts had turned to cheers that must have meant she thought that jadwin had done something to please those excited men they were all his friends no doubt they were cheering him cheering his success he had won then and yet that announcement from the opposite balcony to the effect that business with Mr. Gretry must be stopped immediately. That had an ominous ring. Or, perhaps, that meant only a momentary check. As she descended the stairways with the departing spectators, she distinctly heard a man's voice behind her exclaim, Well, that goes for him. Possibly, after all, Mr. Jadwin had lost some money that morning she was desperately anxious to find landry and to learn the truth of what had happened 
and for a long moment after the last visitors had disappeared she remained at the foot of the gallery stairway hoping that he would come for her but she saw nothing of him and soon remembered she had told him to come for her only in case he was able to get away no doubt he was too busy now even if mr jadwin had won the morning's work had evidently been of tremendous importance this had been a great day for the wheat speculators it was not surprising that landry should be detained she would wait till she saw him the next day to find out what had taken place page returned home it was long past the hour for luncheon when she came into the dining-room of the north avenue house where's my sister she asked of the maid as she sat down to the table has she lunched yet but it appeared that mrs jadwin had sent down word to say that she wanted no lunch that she had a headache and would remain in her room page hurried through with her chocolate and salad and ordering a cup of strong tea carried it up to laura's sitting-room herself laura in a long tea-gown lay back in the madeira chair her hands clasped behind her head doing nothing apparently but looking out of the window she was paler even than usual and to page's mind seemed preoccupied and in a certain indefinite way tense and hard page as she had told landry that morning had remarked this tenseness this rigidity on the part of her sister of late but to-day it was more pronounced than ever something surely was the matter with laura she seemed like one who had staked everything upon a hazard and blind to all else was keeping back emotion with all her strength while she watched and waited for the issue page guessed that her sister's trouble had to do with jadwin's complete absorption in business but she preferred to hold her peace by nature the young girl minded her own business and laura was not a woman who confided her troubles to anybody only once had page presumed to meddle in her sister's affairs and the result had not encouraged a repetition of the interventions since the uh, affair of the silver matchbox she had kept her distance laura on this occasion declined to drink the tea page had brought she wanted nothing she said her head ached a little she only wished to lie down and be quiet i've been down to the board of trade all the morning page remarked laura fixed her with a swift glance she demanded quickly did you see curtis no oh, oh yes once he came out on the floor oh laura it was so exciting there this morning something important happened i know i can't believe it's that way all the time i'm afraid mr jadwin lost a great deal of money i heard someone behind me say so but i couldn't understand what was going on for months i've been trying to get a clear idea of wheat trading just because it was landry's business but today i couldn't make anything of it at all did curtis say he was coming home this evening no uh, don't you understand i didn't see him to talk to well why didn't you page why laura honey don't be cross you don't know how rushed everything was i didn't even try to see landry did he seem very busy who landry i no 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 curtis oh, oh i should say so why laura i think honestly i think wheat went down to oh way down they say that means so much to mr jadwin and it went down down 
down. It looked that way to me. Don't that mean that he'll lose a great deal of money? And Landry seemed so brave and courageous through it all. Oh, I felt for him so. I just wanted to go right into the pit with him and stand by his shoulder. Laura started up with a sharp gesture of impatience and exasperation, crying, Oh, what do I care about wheat, about this wretched scrambling for money? Curtis was busy, you say? He looked that way? Page nodded. Everybody was, she said. Then she hazarded. I wouldn't worry, Laura. Of course, a man must give a great deal of time to his business. I didn't mind when Landry couldn't come home with me. Oh, Landry, murmured Laura. On the instant, Page bridled, her eyes snapping. I think that was very uncalled for, she exclaimed, sitting bolt upright. And I can tell you this, Laura Jadwin, if you did care a little more about wheat, about your husband's business, if you had taken more of an interest in his work, if you had tried to enter more into his life and be a help to him and, and, and sympathize and, and... Page caught her breath, a, a little bewildered at her own vehemence and audacity. But she had committed herself now. Recklessly, she plunged on. Just think, he may be fighting the battle of his life down there at La Salle Street, and you don't know anything about it. No, no, want to know. What do you care about wheat? That's what you said. Well, I don't care either. Just for the wheat itself. But, but it's Landry's business, his work, and right or wrong. Page jumped to her feet, her fists shut tight, her face scarlet, her head upraised. Right or wrong, good or bad, I'd put my two hands into the fire to help him. What business? began Laura, but Page was not to be interrupted. And if he did leave me alone sometimes, she said... Do you think I would draw a long face and think only of my own troubles? I guess he's got his own troubles, too. If my husband had a battle to fight, do you think I'd mope and pine because he left me at home? No, I wouldn't. I'd help him buckle his sword on, and when he came back to me, I wouldn't tell him how lonesome I'd been, but I'd take care of him and cry over his wounds and tell him to be brave, and, and, and I'd help him. And with the words, Paige, the tears in her eyes and the sobs in her throat, flung out of the room, shutting the door violently behind her. Laura's first sensation was one of anger only. As always, her younger sister had presumed again to judge her, had chosen this day of all others to annoy her. She gazed an instant at the closed door, then rose and put her chin in the air. She was right. And Paige, her husband, everybody were wrong. She had been flouted, ignored. She paced the length of the room a couple of times and threw herself down upon the couch, her chin supported on her palm. As she crossed the room, however, her eye had been caught by an opened note from Mrs. Cressler, received the day before, and apprising her of the date of the funeral. At the sight... All the tragedy leaped up again in her mind and recollection, and in fancy she stood again in the back parlor of the Cressler home, her fingers pressed over her mouth to shut back the cries, horror and the terror of sudden death rending her heart, shaking the brain itself. Again and again since that dreadful moment had the fear come back, mingled with grief, with compassion, and the bitter sorrow of a kind friend gone forever from her side. And then, her resolution girding itself, 
her will-power at fullest stretch, she had put the tragedy from her. Other, and, for her, more momentous events impended. Everything in life, even death itself, must stand aside while her love was put to the test. Life and death were little things. Love only existed. Let her husband's career fail. What did it import so only love stood the strain and issued from the struggle triumphant? And now, as she lay upon her couch, she crushed down all compunction for the pitiful calamity whose last scene she had discovered. Her thoughts once more upon her husband and herself. Had the shock of that spectacle in the Cressler's house, and the wearing suspense in which she had lived of late, so torn and disordered the delicate feminine nerves that a kind of hysteria animated and directed her impulses, her words, and actions, Laura did not know. She only knew that the day was going, and that her husband neither came near her nor sent her word. Even if he had been very busy, this was her birthday, though he had lost millions. Could he not have sent even the foolishest little present to her, even a line, three words on a scrap of paper? But she checked herself. The day was not over yet. Perhaps— Perhaps he would remember her after all, before the afternoon was over. He was managing a, a little surprise for her, no doubt. He knew what day this was. After their talk that Sunday in his smoking-room, he would not forget. And besides, it was the evening that he had promised should be hers. If he loved her, she had said, he would give that evening to her. Never, never would Curtis fail her, when conjured by that spell. End of chapter 10, part 3